Hey guys, this is Dr. Aaron Judkins with Man vs. Archaeology. Just wanted to say hi. As you guys know, I have a pretty busy schedule. Just got back from eastern Turkey, searching for Noah's Ark on Greater Ararat. Now I'm getting caught up on all the latest episodes, and I just wanted to say I always enjoy listening to Canary Cry Radio. Great job, keep up the good work, and God bless. Extraordinary. How did you come up with this? You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gaunts. Hey Canaries, welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gaunts. Welcome to another episode. This is episode number 57. 57. And our guest tonight is Natalina from ExtraordinaryIntelligence.com. It is an awesome website with lots of articles and videos and clips, and she just recently started a podcast, and we got a lot to talk about. How are you doing, Natalina? Hey, fellas. Doing really good. Thanks for having me. Good. You are truly extraordinarily intelligent, if I do say so (laughs) myself. that that is so true you know the funny thing is i get that a lot about the name of my website that people think you know gosh that that girl sure thinks highly of herself (laughs) (laughs) but really the idea was for it to be you know intelligence in the sense of intel as in like information Uh, and the extraordinary is that it's sort of outside of the ordinary so it actually i actually put a little thought into it but that's cool makes sense now so we were we were actually on the podcast the extraordinary intelligence podcast and per the rules of the kingdom of podcasters we (laughs) shall be friends forever (laughs) it's in the bag and you know the episode that that you guys were on is one of one of the most popular episodes i've done thus far so That's my mom. She's been listening to it ever since it came out, just on repeat. (laughs) (laughs) So you can thank her. Thanks, Basil's mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, yeah. uh, She's very, she misses me. Um, Okay, so now you're here. Now you're here to grace us with your presence, and we get to talk to you now. And uh, so there we go. Oh, and if nobody, if you guys listening out there in podcast land have not heard the episode that we did with Natalina, you can go to extraordinaryintelligence.com and listen to it, right? Can they find it there? Yep, I've got a couple of different links to the archives, so they'll be able to find it. I think it's just called Outside the Cage with Basil and Gods. Awesome. There it is. We'll put a link there so you can all go listen to that. Cool. Okay, so what do we got, Mr. Gons? Well, we wanted to start off because you have a pretty interesting story about how you started the website and then just the journey of going through what you went through and where the website is now as opposed to where it was at the beginning. Tell us your story because I think it is fascinating and I think it's one of those that is very encouraging and not as unique, I don't think, as um, – well, maybe it is unique. I don't know. What do you think, Basil? It's unique. It's not unique <laughs> at know. all. But no, I, I, I only say that because my story is very similar to hers. So, Natalina, tell us what led you to put together the website, but more importantly, 
you know, the journey that it's been on and where it's landed and, you know, where it is now. Sure. Well, you know, you make a good point, actually, about it not being so unique. I really felt like I had this sort of singular experience with it. But as time goes on, I'm finding that it actually is a pretty uh, common story from people who kind of started where I was. So in about 2009, um, I started my website, ExtraordinaryIntelligence.com, because I was interested in the paranormal and, and conspiracy theories and all of that fun stuff. And um, I the, the website began with me um, talking about ghosts and UFOs and kind of a lot of the same stuff I talk about now, uh, but more from a very um, non-spiritual point of view. The website became popular really, really fast, and um, I just uh, kept on digging into these different things, and as I did so, I became acquainted with a lot of people in sort of the paranormal and new age world and became more and more involved in that. I myself became somewhat uh, deeply interested in the new age and the occult and things like that that and you kind of will see that reflected in my site how I became somewhat um, more spiritually oriented but you know through the new age and uh, as time went on I I kept uh, exploring those types of topics but in my personal life things were getting a little um, strange I had a series of bad experiences my wonderful grandfather who was a lutheran pastor uh passed away and he really was like my only familial link to christianity and once he was gone i i kind of became really angry at god and and uh shortly thereafter my wonderful husband was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and that took a really big toll on me. And, you know, for one who was already not very spiritually grounded and having gone through those things, I became really, really, um, I became really upset with God and I started to doubt that He existed. And I really got deep into New Age philosophies, trying to kind of heal myself from all of the pain that I went through. And I got really involved in things like the law of attraction and, you know, the secret and that type of thing, thinking that I could manifest my own reality and change my own destiny and things like that. I I kept kind of spiraling deeper and deeper into uh, the new age that told me that... um, happiness was all within myself. I could create it all myself. I had the power. I was divine. I had Christ consciousness, you know, all of those new age buzzwords. Um, And while I was trying to heal myself, uh, I was actually getting worse and worse. I was going through terrible anxiety episodes, having awful panic attacks. I was really becoming a mess. I had isolated from all of my friends and family And there was this one moment where I was listening to the radio, and I was listening to Coast to Coast, actually, and I heard a guy who I'd never heard before, and his name was L.A. Marzulli. And he was talking about the Bible in such a way that I had never heard before. I had never heard it presented in in that kind of way. And it started to uh, appeal to me to make sense to want to learn more. Although I wasn't fully there yet, I, I kind of recognize now that he kind of opened my heart a little bit to at least considering 
the Bible and what it contained. Uh, but, you know, I just kept on having these horrible panic episodes. And it all culminated in one evening when I was sitting at my computer and I was doing some research for something for an article I was writing on my website and I was in the middle of a horrible panic episode. I was crying and shaking from head to toe. I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, I thought I was dying. It was the worst panic attack I'd ever had in my life. And in the process of this, my hand was just kind of moving the mouse. I wasn't paying attention to what even website I was looking at. And suddenly something made me just stop and look up at the screen of my computer. And right on the screen, I don't know uh, really what website I was on or how I got there because I wasn't looking for anything of this nature, but I looked up and I saw that on my screen it said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And to understand that moment in my life where I was having the worst panic attack that I could have, that I had ever had to the point where I thought I was going to die and then to look at my computer screen and to read be anxious for nothing um, was a moment that just forever just burned into my mind because at that moment I just kind of laid my head down on the desk and said okay you know god are you is this you is are you talking to me right now and you know he gave me a confirmation that he was speaking to me really and um i i gave my heart to jesus that night in that moment it was that quick in an instant i didn't even have to think about it and i mean my whole life changed from that singular moment in time my whole life changed including the website i started you know, I changed it to a biblical worldview. I went from celebrating the new age to exposing the new age. And it was just this major transformational moment in my life. I'm so grateful. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> Victorious. <laughs> Well, Natalina, thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's very encouraging and it's um, praise the Lord. Definitely praise the Lord for that. Uh, but what I would like to do at this moment is talk about one of your recent articles that you just posted a few hours ago. Uh, it's getting a lot of attention. Can you give us, can you fill us in on what's going on? Because I think this is uh, a good place to go. Sure. Well, Probably everyone has heard by now about Diane Reedy, who was the White House stenographer who had kind of an outburst on the House floor. And she talked about how uh, her quote was something along the lines of, um, you know, God will not be mocked. You cannot serve two masters. The Freemasons wrote the Constitution and right. uh, she had like this big rant and it, it happened the night that Congress voted to reopen the government. And it's getting a lot of attention. Um, and what I started seeing, you know, she didn't say anything that I disagree with. 
you know. But what I started seeing was a lot of Christians were really jumping on this, you know, oh, she's 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 a prophet. She's a modern day prophet. She, you know, was speak God was speaking through her and all uh you know, along those lines and you know, there was so much we don't we didn't know yet at that time and I found it just a little bit odd that so many Christians were jumping to that conclusion right away, so quick to put the prophet or prophetess label on this woman, just right. given this yeah. one one isolated incident. And so, you know, I really, <clears throat> I was talking with my friend Diana, actually, and we were um, discussing the facts as we knew them and just things weren't adding up. And all day today, I was seeing people just singing this woman's praises and it just wasn't feeling right to me. So I decided that I was just going to write an article on my website, sort of editorializing my feelings about what had happened, what the inconsistency inconsistencies were, and why I thought it was maybe a bit premature for people to be calling her a prophet of God, given this one uh, instant that where she spoke in such a way and I had listened to an interview with her husband and he is on board he is calling her a prophet he is saying that for about four weeks she has been getting awakened every night at 3 a.m. and she would get up Mm. out of bed and go downstairs and it was so out of character for her and he claims he knew something was going on with her but she wouldn't tell him and uh, then the night that this happened where she had this outburst and it started being reported, he was, of course, contacted and he went to speak to her and she was uh, evaluated by a psychiatrist and sent home. Now, that was the first sort of weird thing to me because I'm thinking, okay, you you in the House of Representatives in the of the United States of America, you had this big outburst and they just let you go home like that seemed a little odd especially given how hypersensitive we are nowadays to this kind kind of thing happening in you know around in, around Washington DC so um and he was talking about how she had prophesied and he was so excited because the uh psychiatrist who first saw her was wearing a yarmulke so he was Jewish so he understood prophecy so there's really no gray area he's saying she is a prophet of god but mm. the strange thing was he also said in that same interview that he had no idea what she actually said he hadn't listened to it so you know I don't know about you guys, but for me, if my husband was claiming to be a prophet (laughs) and he went on national television delivering what he referred to as a Holy Spirit-inspired prophecy, as much as I love him and trust him, I would listen to what he said before I started telling everybody he was a prophet. You know, that just seems normal to me. Um, and then, you know, I started noticing that people were saying, you know, this audio clip that's going around and, and I can send you guys the link to it or whatever, but this audio clip that's going around that everyone's playing, everyone said that she gave that speech on the house floor. But the reality is the only known audio clip we have was actually recorded in the hallway outside of the congressional chamber after her initial outburst. We actually have no idea what she said on the House floor because there was no audio of it captured. He will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. Don't touch me. He will not be mocked. The greatest deception here 
is this is not one nation under God. It never was. Had it been, it would not have been. No. It would not have been. Constitution would not have been written by Freemasons. They go against God. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two masters. Praise be to God, Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So, so again, it's it's this inconsistency of what's being reported in mainstream media. And it's been ample time that has passed now that people should be reporting it correctly, but they're not. They're saying this is what she said at the microphone on the House floor. You know, then it just kind of goes to the point of people saying because what she said was true, because it rang true, it has to be from God. Well, you know, there are instances even in Scripture where people speak of God, but are not speaking for God. And for me, like I think of Act 16, where Paul and Silas are confronted by this woman who proclaims that, you know, they are ministers of the Most High God and that they are speaking of salvation. Well, she wasn't saying anything untrue. She was speaking the truth, but Paul still cast a demon out of her because of the way she was behaving, right, you know? Right. So all of this was kind of going through my head, and it just felt like I had to write something about it. And then the final point was something that may be just extremely minor, but in almost every known video of the incident, it just starts with her walking up to the podium in sort of a very robotic, methodical way. But there is one piece of original footage that you can find on C-SPAN, and I linked it in my in my post, where she's actually approached by a man who I think is a congressman. He's like a white-haired man. He approaches her and says something to her. We have no idea what he says. And then he gives her a nod, and at that exact moment is when she starts to walk up to the podium. So, all of that to say, there was enough inconsistency in the story for me to say that I'm not prepared to call her a prophet just yet. That's all I was really saying. Right. Here are the here are the facts. Here's something to consider. Maybe we should be a little more sober-minded about this. And I got so slammed <laughs> with so much hate mail. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just knowing, and I know in on the website here on, on your post, I don't know if this is your comments or, or your comment thread or if it's another one, but looks like Russ Dizdar jumped in at some point and, you know, our audience should be familiar with Russ Dizdar. He, you know, he was a mm -hmm. guest on the show a while back. Uh, but even, you know, listening to some of the facts there, some of the things that jumped out, and I think Russ pointed it out in the comments, but 3 a.m. is pretty much exactly when they do their, the, the Satanists and the true Satanists, uh, that's when they do their rituals, is in the middle of the night, that's when they send out their, you know, their demons and stuff like that. So that's flag number one. Yep. Um, and then number two, as Russ pointed out as well in the comment thread, and you pointed out, is that some guy walking up to her and, and saying something, you know, right before she walks up and that can be a trigger. You know, someone could have said something that triggered if she has been controlled or manipulated in some way. My mind went straight to, could it be that there are, they're using some sort of uh, some of these technologies that they have now, you know, some of these sound wave or these high tech devices that they have now to start beaming, you know, uh, things into people's heads and stuff like that and doing it in the middle of the night you're already asleep i'm um, sure they can wake you up they can speak things to you directly into your skull that kind of thing um yeah. you know that that stuff can that will you know automatically 
um, confuse some folks. And, uh, you know, I mean, all of us are sort of susceptible to it. So I don't know. Basil, do you have uh, any thoughts there? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's my reaction. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt yeah. that anything that she said, you know, everything she said is, is true really. But right. no, my issue true. kind of is with calling her a prophet. I mean, what if well, I don't she, see what's, what's, what's the profit part of that? I mean, everything she said should be clear knowledge to everybody. Who's That's what I would a think Christian too. and knows about the history of our country. Right. I mean, I, I, I didn't really hear any fresh revelation. I'm not calling her a prophetess or not a prophetess. I'm just, I mean, the, the, to jump straight to prophetess just from hearing what I heard here is, is very sensationalized, in my opinion. And a lot of that comes from her own calling herself a prophet and her husband right. going on the record as saying that she's a prophet. And so that's the issue that I have. I think that's quite a leap. You know, and if we go on to kind of what Russ Dizdar was saying about the whole 3 a.m. waking up, you know, here there's there's an interview with her husband on True News that was um, aired yesterday. And okay. he and he says that this was extremely unlike her to wake up. She was such a hard sleeper. She was known to just sleep through the night until the past several weeks where she was having this 3 a.m. awakening where she would get up and go downstairs. And, you know, sleep deprivation is one way to kind of, it, with SRA or, or mind control or whatever, it's something that they always go to that sleep deprivation makes you um, not clear-headed. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so yeah, much right. weird stuff there, at least worth considering. When did this stirring of the Holy Spirit start in Diane? Well, she, uh, I'm just kind of all learning this because, I mean, I knew she was going through something, and um, she uh, really felt in her spirit that she wasn't to share it with anybody, and she was to keep it to herself. So I was kind of in the dark as what was going on, and I, I really kind of felt that, you know, God was doing something in her, and I didn't know more than to just pray for her, you know, at that point. Now, let me, uh, in, in saying that, you know, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew something was going on because for what Diane said was four weeks prior to this, God had been working on her and basically gave her, um, and, and I don't want to use the wrong word, but she, I believe that she had an understanding that he wanted her to share something. And um, she was naturally fighting it. I mean, she loves this place, and, you know, people don't get up and do that. So it was a breaking of her, she, her words, a breaking or a squeezing over the next four weeks. Um, what I kind of likened, and not in any, you know, to what, to what Jesus went through in Gethsemane and what I think we all go through when God gets us to a place to say, you know what, it's not going to be your will, it's going to be my will. If you're a follower of me, you're going to do what I command of you to do. And uh, so that's the real lordship test, you know, the, the salvation part, we're saved by grace, we thank you, Lord, but now, you know, pedal to the metal, you know, let's live this thing out with the lordship. And uh, so... When, when was, did you first know that, that the Holy Spirit was was convicting her to do something 
Well, I didn't know what was taking place, but what was happening was Diane was waking up throughout the night, and she would go downstairs um, from our bedroom and just get into the Word of God. And she would uh, read for a couple hours and then fall asleep, and then she would wake up again and be in the Word of God. And, and that's, Rick, that is so of God, at least in our home, because you know, none of us get up at 3 a.m. and get into the Word of God unless it's the Holy Spirit that's leading us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're heavy sleepers. We When we sleep, we sleep well. You know what I mean? So uh, and, we're and, not light sleepers that go because we can't sleep. And, and so this is, very, this is very out of the ordinary in terms of uh, for Diane for this to take place. And, and that's what was happening. And uh, what God was doing through his word and through just speaking to her heart is he was uh, preparing her that she is going to do this. And um, um, it was a, a basically a battle of the wills, as, as we all do when, you know, when something's laid before us that, you know, that, well, God, don't, don't you want somebody else to do this? You know, that sort of thing. So, so I, I say for four weeks she was got kind of in this inner struggle and inner battle, and, and I would know that she wasn't in bed and she was downstairs, and, you know, and, um, and she was going through something, but she wasn't sharing, and I had no idea, you know, what was taking place, but it was, it was, there was a lot of emotion involved in it, and there was emotion in her, and I could, you know, she was, she was crying, and, you know, she was, she was dying to self, and to, you know, what she wanted to do and what she didn't want to do as, uh, as she uh, finally was obedient to the Lord. So that was kind of a person and a buildup to what actually took place the other night. Right. Yeah, and she, I mean, she did sound, the, just the way she sounds when she's at the podium there, she sounds, sounds very distressed. Keep in mind that no one knows what she said at the podium because no audio was captured of that. The microphone wasn't on. So oh, when that you, wasn't at the podium. No. When you see the, uh, the clips of her at the podium, no one knows what she says. The recorded audio comes from the hallway where she was escorted out, and she's yelling, and reporters out there caught audio of what she was saying there. So almost every mainstream news source is selling this as, this is the rant she had at the podium, but it's not. And mm. so, you know what I mean? It's yet, yet another inconsistency where it's like, why are they trying to portray this as something that she said on the House floor when it's not really where it happened right how did she even get up to i mean you watch the video she just sort of strolls up and people are like hey how's it going and she even goes up and is like standing at the microphone like adjusting the microphone obviously getting ready to say something and nobody seems to do anything i don't know is, is that normal I don't know. They say she was very well respected. She had worked in Congress for many years, a couple, like 20 years, I want to say. Yeah, she was very well known, very well liked. She had a great relationship with a lot of members of Congress. And, you, you know, to hear the husband talk, he says that, you know, she had the utmost respect for the decorum and the sort of the the ritualism of the house. And so even more so this was out of character for her to to sort of break that decorum and considering she had such strong feelings about it and another thing i point out in the article is that 
in one interview, the husband says that she did not want to do this. She was fighting it every step of the way when she claims she felt the Lord was trying to put this on her. And he even uh, compares it to, you know, the the Garden of Gethsemane when when Jesus was was uh, having his moments of of talking to God about what he was. You know, she was. He says she was fighting it and and didn't right. want to do it. But then, in a completely different interview, he says that leading up to this, she was having all kinds of frustrations with Congress and that he even says she was sick to her stomach about it and she thought it was all so nuts what they were doing with the government being shut down and the debt ceiling and all of that. So that seems contradictory if in one interview he says she didn't want to do it because she loved everybody in Congress and then in another interview he says she was just disgusted with Congress. You know, it almost makes me think maybe the third possibility is that she was just someone who somehow got into and you know we can all kind of relate to this when you get really deep into researching conspiracy theories whether it's about the freemasons or you know the illuminati and that maybe is what she was doing at three o'clock in the morning she was going down and surfing the web and making herself paranoid and then she had an outburst in congress about it because it was just so heavy on her mind maybe it was just something from her own humanness where she was just had enough of what she was witnessing and said what was on her mind and mean who could blame her but it's the the problem that i keep coming back to is the way people are just glorifying this situation calling her a prophet and it, it doesn't add up to me i think it's kind of weird the way christians you know latch on to these kinds of things whenever somebody says something to proclaim their faith in public we get so excited we're just breathless about it and we just want it to all be so edifying and true but really who's being glorified in this situation is it god or is right. it diane right reedy that's who we're talking right. about well and to, i mean to be honest coming from a secular viewpoint you know if you're a secular person hearing about this, you're, I mean, it just adds so much more weight to like, oh, another crazy Christian, yeah. crazy Christians and their conspiracy theories, you yeah. know, um, and at, at least with that audio by, I'm very, very, very curious to like, to, as to what she said on the podium. Yeah. And I, yeah. I was looking at the clip there of her, receiving the uh, like a message or something she she leans over there's a gentleman with uh white hair his back is turned to the camera so we don't know who it is he says something to her and then she gets up and sort of almost hypnotically kind of nonchalantly kind of walks to the podium and you know obviously there's no audio there Mm -hmm. uh but i don't know the whole thing is very strange but let me ask you this now lena what yeah what do you think um Previous to you coming to faith and knowing Jesus, what do you think you would have thought about this situation? You know, Basil brought up the secular point of view, but sort of mm-hmm. a, as a, you know, someone who was interested in the paranormal and the supernatural, what would you have thought about this whole situation prior to being saved? Well, and th- that's probably largely why I was skeptical initially, because I can recognize how I would have reacted as a non-believer. And I know that I would have acted like, oh, those crazy Christians, just like Basil said, you know, oh, here's another one going loony, <laughs> you know, right. and um you know, it, 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 it's worth mentioning that that is a very concerted effort that I believe there are uh 
interested parties who would like for that to be the prevailing thought about Christians that were unhinged, were extremists. Right. You know, right. I mean, what is the main thing we think about when we think about Islamists or Muslims? We we think of them saying, you know, Allah Akbar and 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 being irrational and crazy and having these uh, outbursts. Well, wouldn't it behoove the people who are trying to paint a negative picture of Christians to have these kinds of outbursts happening in the public eye? And that is probably what I would have thought as a non-believer. I wouldn't have been, you know, oh my goodness, maybe there's something to this whole Christianity thing. I I think I would have thought she was nuts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely comes off that way. I mean, yeah. I mean, just coming from a secular outside perspective, which is a little bit discerning to me. But yeah, I mean, the point you bring up with people just latching on to this prophetess thing is, I mean, it sort of sounds like exactly, if this were a disgenuine situation, it sounds like that would be uh, all going according to plan, I think. Right. You want the secularists or, you know, the skeptics to say, look at another crazy Christian, and you want the Christian to latch on and call her a prophet. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, draw draw the line in the sand, so to speak. If everybody thinks she's crazy and then we're calling her, you know, a prophetess of our religion, then it's it's like, well, Mm -hmm. we've got crazy people in charge here. And we're just going to defend them no matter what, you know? No matter what, right, exactly. And that's that's the part that really kind of, you know, and a few days ago, there was another clip that went viral of a woman on an airplane. I don't know if you guys saw that, but she, yeah, and she was having this horrible, terrifying outburst on the plane, and she was yelling, God is my savior, God is my savior, over and over again. The clip went viral. She's been freaking out for the last 20 minutes. She started off by telling everyone to pray for her mother who just passed away. Then she went up and down the aisles telling everyone to pray for her mother. And then she's been like this for the last, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know if this guy next to her knows her or not. He's been trying to call her down the whole time. She doesn't like try to go to the back door and open it. If she tries to go back, I'm gonna, gonna block her. And it was just another thing where people were saying, oh my goodness, these crazy Christians and their crazy outbursts. It's becoming a meme, you know, that right. is not. I, I think that something that I try really hard to portray with what I write and with my public persona is that there doesn't have to be this stream of anti-intellectualism amongst Christians. You know, we can be sober-minded and we can be rational and reasonable and still have a strong abiding faith in Jesus Christ. It's not this irrational, blind-following 
thing. You know, there's, there's, there's logic and reason involved in my faith. And um, I think all of these things that we're seeing in the mainstream are going so counter to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would argue that logic and reason comes from a strong theistic worldview, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, But yeah, I mean, situations like this, it almost, to me, it really does start to feel like uh, what a lot of even, you know, of course, the fringe sort of, I guess you can call, you know, public figures like like us, I guess, or Russ Dizdar or L.A. Marzulli. They've been saying stuff like this for a long time that it's going to, you know, the Christians are going to be sort of singled out and called crazy. And it comes at a time when, you know, there's a lot of movement happening as far as, and this is not against anything against gay people, but, you know, gay marriage is a big thing. And for some reason, there is this automatic thing about, okay, if you're against gay marriage, then you must be a Christian, right? There's like this right. preconceived notion going on with that. Or you so, must hate people. You must you know? hate people. Yeah. You, you, you hate gay people, which is, mm-hmm. you know, another false sort of logic there. But, you know, it comes at a time when this sort of, I guess, division is really starting to ramp up. And then you see all these videos go viral as someone who is, you know, sort of a conspiracy minded person. I, I don't, you know, I, I just have to be skeptical of anything, even if even if it is, I guess you can call somebody proclaiming their faith in public when it goes viral, when, you know, things like that happen. Uh, it just there's a part of me that just, you know, I can't get over some of the conspiratorial mm-hmm. mindset of like, OK, what what's the agenda here? What is the reason behind some of this stuff being out there? Um, For sure. But let's let's move on a little bit. Actually. I would like to know, and this is sort of a 180 from where we were, but you don't have to share this, Natalina, if you don't want to, but uh, <laughs> you had told uh, told us previously about uh, an encounter you had with Anonymous yes. and your website. Can you share that story? I just feel like it's similar to what we were talking about in yeah. a sense, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we heard a lot about Anonymous and Basil even, you know, wore the shirt and stuff, right, Basil? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just made that up. I'm kidding, but... Um, he's got his guy <laughs> fox mask on right well now. i mean i know i know that we've he, he, anyway that's beside the point but let's <laughs> none of us have actually come in contact with uh this anonymous group called anonymous can you tell us about what happened yeah um well you know i was kind of on the bandwagon of thinking that you know anonymous was sort of this robin hood style civil disobedience admirable group of people that you know stole from the rich and gave to the poor you know and i I had a relatively high opinion of them initially um but when and this was just i mean just right after i had changed to a biblical worldview on my website i mean i'm talking like the same month and um I should probably mention that I used to co-own a company that built websites and hosted websites for other people. And um, I still kind of do, but not to the extent. And at the time, I had one person whose website I hosted who was really, really into just like being very provocative and getting into the conspiracy world and this type of thing. And he decided that it would be a really good idea to poke anonymous <laughs> on his website. And he had a relatively sizable audience. So, oh boy. right. So news spread relatively quickly and it got to anonymous that he was calling them out. 
And I don't even remember what the subject was. Well, one thing about Anonymous is that they don't like to be made fun of and they do not like to be mocked and uh, challenged. And we found this out the hard way because um, initially it was just a back and forth uh, argument in his comments from people claiming to be part of Anonymous. And, of course, Anonymous claims to be this sort of disjointed group that doesn't have a leader and anyone can – they're a collective. So, you know, you never even know if the people who say they're anonymous are really anonymous. Um, But so we didn't think too much of it, but I had kind of warned this guy, you know, chill out a little bit on anonymous. (laughs) You know, I hear they can like take down the FBI.gov. So who knows what they'll do to you? Well, one morning, my business partner and I woke up to find that our server that held my website and all of these other websites that we hosted was deleted. The server itself was deleted. Not only that, but all of the credit cards and debit cards we had on our server account had each been charged approximately $3,000. And every domain we owned had been canceled um, and a bunch of other really ridiculous uh, domains had been purchased on our credit cards, like triple X websites, just horrible stuff. And extraordinaryintelligence.com was gone. And it wasn't just like taken offline. It was deleted. Now at that point, there was probably a good three years worth of, archives, hundreds upon hundreds of articles that I had written, and it was just gone. And uh, we had to rebuild from scratch, and there was nothing that could be done because these guys are so smart, and they use proxy servers and all kinds of crazy hackery madness to get a, you know, you can't figure out where they're coming from or who did it or, you know, there was just nothing we could do. All that our server could really the host could do was just reinstate our server but our entire database had been deleted so the extraordinary intelligence that you see right now was rebuilt from scratch um at that point and now i understand that all of this was brought about by this one person who let me just tell you everybody don't poke anonymous (laughs) just (laughs) don't mess with them (laughs) Just yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's really true. It's kind of a silly thing to even think that you, I mean, right. I mean, it, you got to be a pretty haughty individual yes. to uh, think that that's going to work out well for you. Right. And, but you know, it, it would have been clear, these guys, they're very, they're very knowledgeable about computers and this type of thing. It would have been very obvious to them the moment that they logged into the server account that this account wasn't owned by the guy who was teasing him, teasing them, picking on them. So, and yet they still went and did what they did. So my opinion of anonymous or at least certain factions thereof dramatically changed at that point for obvious reasons, because (laughs) clearly they're not really all that concerned about the little guy. They were more concerned about revenge And um, they, I mean, we lost a lot of money. We lost a lot of effort and work. And I kind of think that it isn't a coincidence that this happened the same month that I changed to a biblical worldview on my site. Hmm. It it seems like a little bit of an attack. So 
Yeah, well, tra- I mean, traditionally, anonymous is is sort of anarchist, atheist sort of driven group in general. I mean, you can't put generalities really on all of them, but I think most of the outspoken ones are, are pretty atheist in their beliefs. And, sure. you know, but it, part of me kind of thinks that it might have been you know, it might have been a thing where, you know, you kind of, you got your new biblical worldview, you know, maybe uh, you just sort of needed to clear the slate from all your new age sort of ideas that you had archived up from a while back. Not that I'm putting any good tidings into the destruction (laughs) of your entire infrastructure, uh, web infrastructure, but you know what I mean. No, I mean, it definitely was a punctuation um, on the change. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it was kind of like, a, you know, like your website was baptized, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really positive yeah. way of thinking of it, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I can tell this is still sort of a sore thing for you, and we're trying to, like, put this. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make you feel like better. Sugarcoating over it. <laughs> I'll tell you why it's still a little bit of a sore spot because I haven't, even though this happened a couple of years ago, I haven't full, the website hasn't fully recovered. You know, I had thousands and thousands of readers that I lost um, that I've never been able to recover. I've have, um, you know, with uh, when you run a website and you're dependent on search engine traffic largely, you know, you're dependent on your page rank and all of that. And, you know, it obviously my site was down for almost a month as we tried to rebuild it. So I'm still recovering from all of that happened. I've had to rebuild my audience. And the good thing of that is that, you know, the the readers who were fans before they were patient and they waited and, and I gained a whole new audience with that were kind of on board with the Christian worldview. So, you know, it's, it, it may have all just happened exactly as it was supposed to, but yeah, it still stings a little bit. <laughs> now, did you, did you uh, lose every, all those articles prior or do you have a, a copy of it that you were able to post back up? Yeah, I had a, fortunately I had a backup saved where I hadn't saved it extremely recently, but I had enough saved where I was able to restore a lot of my archives. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I had written about previously, I just didn't want out there anymore because I certainly didn't want to be leading people astray. So I deleted it anyway. Okay, um, right. But I left a lot of my archives intact. And I mean, if people go through my website and they go back to the old and golden days, they'll find some weird stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> I did intentionally leave a lot of it in place because I want people to be able to sort of witness my change my evolution over the years and see how you know this was a girl who really was off track you know and then to compare it to what where i'm at now which is why you know on my about page and stuff i have it very clear you know this website does approach topics from a biblical worldview and the older articles do not necessarily reflect that you know i make it very clear but people have pointed out to me that it actually is kind of cool for them to see how what i used to write about is so different than what i write about now it's kind of the same subject matter but from a completely different perspective right now was it was did you have a like did you post a blog about your experience that changed is was there a moment on the website that people readers that perhaps go through right from the beginning will there be like a an actual post that says i had this experience 
Um, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I took the change slow at first because quite frankly, I didn't want to scare people away. I knew that the majority of my audience was non-believers. I knew that I had been set for several years, built an audience of, of people who were like-minded to the way I was. And so God really put it on my heart that this was a really unique platform that I suddenly had where I had this, you know, thousands of non-believers who were already fans of what I did. And I had to proceed cautiously so I didn't lose them because suddenly my mission became not to preach to the choir, but to take these people who, who learned to trust me over the years and show them how I had changed and for the better. And how everything that I had talked about for the previous several years, I now kind of had an answer for. I was no longer seeking. It was no longer the unexplained and the unknown, but it was, it all falls into the realm now of the known and explainable with the Bible. And so I proceeded very cautiously, but there is one specific article where I decided, you know, I kind of have to just lay it all out. And I actually called the article, oh, something like ancient prophetic text, how ancient prophetic texts changed my world or something like that. And of course, you know, that was a nod to L.A. Marzulli. <clears throat> and uh, I, I laid out the story there and uh, not in extreme detail, but I told people how the experience that I had that night where with on the computer and how it had changed me and, um, you know, I essentially just invited them to not write me off. I wasn't going to change the name of the website to extraordinaryjesusintelligence.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I still, you know, one of the things that I, I try to do and I try to balance is that I still want the website to be entertaining. You know, I, I still want people to have a reason to come to the site, even if they're not Christians yet. Right. And so, I mean, I try to inject humor and I, I mean, I'm not to maybe the, the wormicorn level of entertaining. <laughs> but, oh, but that I is comedy boy. genius, I will say. It really that was is. one of my finer moments. <laughs> But I try, I try to be lighthearted, you know, I mean, I even, for Pete's sakes, I gave my cat a column on the site. He writes about all of the weird animal news and (laughs) (laughs) it's called Solomon's Corner. And, you know, I'll put, you know, maybe I'll, if there's new, interesting news about the Loch Ness Monster, I'll post about it. You know, it's interesting. It's not a, going to put my salvation in danger to wonder if there's a sea creature in Loch Ness, you know, that type of thing. I try to keep it entertaining and light but also put the a little heavier stuff in the mix where i'm exposing the new age uh from what i consider kind of my unique perspective of having been there um so it's thus far been relatively successful i've i've had people who write to me and say you know you got all jesus on me and i don't want to listen to you anymore you know (laughs) but i have just as many people who say you know i I'm not a believer, but, you know, I'm going to keep reading what you say and, you know, we'll see what happens. And I mean, really, what more can you ask for? Right. You know? Yeah. That's all I ask for. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, so when you, when you started opening up more to the biblical side of things, I mean, what was like the first thing that really clicked? Like, what was the first thing that you're like, oh my God, of course this was the answer. What what have I been? Like, was it aliens and like Nephilim or, uh, I don't know, Bigfoot and 
I don't know. <laughs> well, it certainly kind of put all of these things that I was interested in in a very different light, whether it was UFOs, you know, knowing that there is an alternative explanation that actually fits a lot better. And, you know, um, sure, there's the possibility that the Nephilim are involved or maybe it's just uh, demonic activity or whatever the case is. It certainly seems to fit better than just saying that there are, you know, little green men on a different planet. It, it actually clicked for me better. It was a better explanation. And, right. um, you know, there, it essentially the moment that I realized that there is a lot more evidence to suggest that there's a supernatural component to UFOs rather than purely a naturalistic or uh, a physical explanation was pretty profound to me because I spent an awful lot of time thinking about UFOs. I really did. I mean, there was a time where I was all up in the galactic federation of light. And, <laughs> oh, there we go. You know, I mean, yeah, I was that wacky for a while there because, um, you know, I certainly believed that there was ample evidence to suggest something was going on, but I had no, you know, biblical or spiritual frame of reference to, to explain it, you know, so right. the Bible and being able to look at things through that strictly spiritual lens actually answered a lot more questions about the way UFOs move, the way they behave, the uh, abduction stories, there there was just so much more that made sense to me. And I mean, even when it comes to things like hauntings and this type of thing, you know, you start to realize, wow, almost every single story I have ever heard about ghosts is negative. You know, it's always, you know, there was a murder there and the 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 haunting, you know, it scares children and it scares people and it's spooky and and it just makes you realize, well, it's it's so clear to me that this is a negative experience. It's so clear to me that now that this this could be very well explained by demonic activity or uh, negative forces. And it's just funny how when you have your head in the sand as a completely secular point of view that you think, well, you know, maybe ghosts are just nice dead people who like their house a lot and don't want to leave <laughs> you know right, you can right. rationalize that and it actually doesn't make any sense because the majority of haunting stories are negative they are they impact the people who experience them in a negative way right so yeah that's actually a question that that I wanted to bring up was the whole ghost idea and specifically as we record this in the middle of October you know a lot of the uh Halloween town movies and stuff are on TV now and, and, you know, it's the whole time mm -hmm. of year for that kind of stuff. But yeah. So, so did you feel like when you saw those shows, I mean, I don't know if you watch them. I, I, I used to watch ghost hunters a lot with my wife and it got a little repetitive, you know, it was the same sort of thing every time, but yeah, um, there's a lot of shows out there. There's, you know, ghost adventures, dead files is an interesting one where uh, a female uh, psychic uh, medium lady comes in and she's able to, Actually, in one of the episodes, she actually reveals that she has guiding spirits telling her what's going on, which I thought was interesting. But what do you make of all that? So you obviously, did you used to think, oh, they're just dead people and, you know, you, you just bring in, uh, you know, attractive lady who can talk to them and bring him to the light? Or was it like, mm -hmm. what, what was your view? And then how, how has it shifted now specifically? 
Well, I think that I used to put a lot more stock in like psychic mediums and this type of thing. You know, as you said, a lot of these ghost shows, they always bring in their medium who can make contact and say, you know, this room is very cold and that's because, you know, this little boy, he still lives in here. And, you know, I used to think that was awesome. And (laughs) it's almost embarrassing now for me to say that I thought I bought into all of that. (laughs) But I did. I thought it was really cool and awesome. And I thought it was all real. But, uh, and I did, I watched all of the shows. I was so fascinated by it all. And, you know, my opinion of what exactly is going down with hauntings is still, I will admit, an evolving opinion, Mm. you know, because I think that initially when... Let me put it this way. When when you when you when I first became a Christian, everything was demons. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Everything everything bad was demonic and you don't think about it, you don't touch it, you don't go near it, you don't consider it. Um and and of course, you know, mainstream Christianity definitely does put that sort of out there. And if you even talk about it, you're you're welcoming it in, you know. Yeah, you're op- you're opening yourself up to it by even mentioning it. Right. And so my opinion on that is evolving somewhat. There could be something more to the haunting experience than uh, than just the pat answer of demons are infesting that house or demons are infesting that battlefield or whatever the case is. You know, maybe it has something to do, you know, with the concept of like a residual haunting. Right. Um, you know, where maybe this traumatic event happened and it somehow imprinted itself on space time in that area. You know, I mean, there are, there are genuine scientific reasons to suggest that that could be a thing, you know? Right. Um, and, not not only that, but, you know, there is biblical precedent for if you think back to um, when Cain killed Abel and his blood cried out from the ground, you know, that really gets you thinking about, you know, is it possible? And I've talked about this actually somewhat recently with a few different people. Is it possible that a part of a person who is killed in a in a really heinous way, a part of them is left behind and sort right. of cries out from these are all things worthy of considering. And I don't think that it's something that puts your salvation in danger to think about it or to ponder it it's you know we should we should be, feel free and secure in our in our faith enough to ask these kinds of questions i think that's okay right and i think that's a great point just the concept of being able to think about things and ask questions because i mean i think that the demon answer is like the answer that comes out of people not wanting to talk about things certain things mm-hmm. or not allowing other people to you know bring it up um, yeah. it may very well be demons but a lot of times that's people can say it with such authority and positivity because I mean what do you say to that right I mean, you're you're not you're not supposed to talk about it because it's demons it's demons stop it what are you doing yeah you know and so um, yeah so I mean I think that's great and that's what I love about our niche sort of i i think it's one of the best places um websites like yours and uh, also canary kai radio and and everybody i mean la marzulis and rustizars and everybody's um it's a great niche because it's biblically based and and focused on god but at the same town (laughs) same time (laughs) you're allowed to ask the questions that have been i mean stifled for 
hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands of years. Right. And, you know, of course, the early church wasn't really afraid of these kind of questions. They were all about right. the supernatural, and they, they, they understood, accepted, and acknowledged that it existed. And I think it's only been, you know, the modern church that's afraid of it, um, afraid to talk about it, and uh, afraid to research it, and this type of thing. And, and I just think that's to our detriment, because, you know, um, there are polls that have come out recently that talk about, you know, the majority of Americans and even people worldwide believe in hauntings and believe in UFOs or claim to have experienced such a thing. Now, if the church is just afraid to talk about it, no wonder people don't want to, you know, they believe it. They they already accept that the supernatural or at least the paranormal is a real thing. If the, if if they can't if they're told that they're crazy in the church, then why would they have why would they come? Because they already believe these right. things are real. They want an explanation. They want to know what it is. Yeah, or at least exactly. talk about it. Exactly. Yeah that that is the uh, the one qualm I have with the modern church and just you know experiencing that for myself of being asked you know when I asked about UFOs it was oh have you been abducted. Uh, no, I'm just very curious about it. Well, then don't worry about it. But it doesn't right. really, you know, help my curiosity. It just lets me know that you guys don't care, you know? Right. So, right. Now, do you do you actually attend a church, Natalina? Or do you do you have a community of local people where you're at what, that you're able to sort of, you know, be an influence, be that sort of sore? <laughs> I know for <laughs> I know for, for me and Basil, we've been kind of the... Uh, you know, like, oh boy, here they, there they are talking about their crazy stuff again. <laughs> you know, um, do you have like a community or a church that you attend locally? You know, unfortunately, not really just yet, although it's something that I'm really looking forward to. It's not anything that I <clears throat> would rule out. I've done, you know, the whole church shopping thing, you know. In fact, Immediately after I had my experience that transformed the way I see the world, I the first thing I thought was, oh, man, I have got to go to church. <laughs> and yeah. so I and this is exactly how I chose the first church that I, you know, I was raised Lutheran. My grandfather was a Lutheran minister, and that was all I really knew. But I thought, well, now I'm going to try something a little different. So the very first thing that I did was go to the phone book and find a church that had an 11 o'clock service. So I didn't have to get up super early. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I literally based my first church decision on who had the latest service. And it happened to be, <laughs> it happened Sounds to be a pre- reasonable to me. It was as good a way as any to choose. <laughs> so it, it happened to be a Presbyterian church and I didn't know what really that meant. So I thought, fine. So I went to this church and it was so strange. It was it was really like the Lord was showing me something about the modern church because I walked in in this church and at the outset it looked really normal, but at the beginning of the service, this woman walks in and she had this long flowing dress on and she kind of looked like a you know she was probably a hippie back in the day and she had her turquoise jewelry on and stuff and she was the pastor, and she walked up to this table in the center of the room. All of the chairs were arranged in a circle. And she picked up this brass bowl 
and she hit it with a stick and it kind of had this really beautiful tone that rang throughout the sanctuary and she said something along the lines of let the enduring tone of the singing bowl signal that the service is about to begin in the fellowship and instantly I was like well that was really kind of Buddhisty. Wow. <laughs> like what? you know being familiar as I was with almost every religion but you know, the Christian faith, I knew that that just wasn't right. There was something weird about it. And she went on to give an almost an entire sermon about finding inner peace and did not really, as far as I remember, did not really mention Jesus at all. And then she handed out this pamphlet to everybody talking about all of the different ways you can find inner peace, whether it was listening to calming music or watching a waterfall or (laughs) meditation, even all of this different stuff. And then at the end of the service, she invited everyone to go out into the lobby area of the church where there was a labyrinth that you could walk through. And it was the prayer labyrinth that would help you center yourself and and find this peaceful, you know, as someone who was very well versed in the New Age, that is what this was. And right. that was my first experience in church coming off of my giving my heart to Jesus. And it was a, it was a pretty negative experience because I recognized exactly what was going on and it did not, it did not glorify God in the least. So I, I was a little bit scared of church at that point. And then one of the next churches I went to, I had a preacher who it, it was a very, very charismatic church. And the preacher there was trying to get me to be slain in the spirit i guess and he grabbed me by my fork because i wasn't knocking over i was like what's going on <laughs> and he grabbed me by You're my not forehead paying along <laughs> so hard yeah and i mean he even told me it, he whispered in my ear even if it feels like you're faking it just go with it I mean, that was a really big red flag. And then he grabbed me by my forehead and tried to push me down to to the extent where I had bruises on on the temples. And that was my pretty much my second experience in church. So to say that I was a little bit uh, traumatized would be accurate. And so I was a little (laughs) scared. (laughs) I was thinking, okay, what have I gotten myself into? Um, Since then, I have found a number of churches that are okay, and and I may soon become a member. But, you know, when you have your uh, discernment wide open coming out of the New Age where I did, you you start to recognize these different things. And one of the churches I went into was advertising that they were teaching holy yoga, you know. And so it was hard to figure out. But I did have a recent experience where I was speaking to a pastor at a wedding that I was part of. And, and I was very open with him about what I thought of the church uh, the, in my experience. And he didn't disagree with me. In fact, he invited me to come speak at the church on the topic of supernatural phenomena. But he said to me, you know, maybe you need to stop thinking of it as uh, that the church is so flawed and start thinking of it as what can you bring to this flawed church. And that really changed my perspective a bit. And I'm letting that I'm marinating in that right now. (laughs) And so I would like to, right. I would like to find a fellowship of believers. Unfortunately, I live in a somewhat small area and my options are limited and, and, uh, but I, I have faith that I'll find something. That's cool. Well, I mean, we all have 
our preferences, I suppose, and, and different uh, sort of flavors of Christian church and stuff. And, and for me personally, I, I didn't really go to any kind of charismatic uh, sort of church, which is sort of interesting because I know Basil kind of grew up in that sort of atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. So not to say that all charismatic churches are evil or you know bad or anything like that, but I, I just have to mention this because I thought it was uh, funny. There's a local church that I was just made aware of, and their church is called Swords for Christ, but their acronym, Scary. their acronym for Swords, is Supernatural Weapons of Righteousness Destroying Satan. Oh my! <laughs> I was like, oh wow, I gotta check that out. That's that is like something that the modern church could really teach the ancient church, which is extravagant uses of acronyms. And just their their power in the ministry. Because acronyms save more souls than I think anything <laughs> else on the planet. I mean, that's just my personal experience. Yeah, uh, basic instructions before leaving Earth for the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, but um, it's important that uh, for you, Natalina, I feel like it's it was an important experience for you to have, especially coming from where you were, it's sort of a reflection of, you know, modern church and that, you know, people need to use discernment because I feel like there's too many so-called Sunday going Christians that are sort of like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not saying yoga is evil, but oh, I do yoga and as long as I'm focusing on God, it's okay. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they don't even consider it or they don't even um, think about, you know, could this be wrong? Could this, you know, they don't right, ask the questions. They just, through, yeah, thinking it through. They just sort of go right. with it and they, they kind of just go with the culture and, oh, my friend's in yoga, so I'm going to go to yoga and that kind of thing. And so, I mean, nothing against yoga per se, you know, I have my own opinion about well, it, but. Just, I mean, just real quick on yoga, at least where we are gone, it's like yoga, it like 90% of the people don't even realize that it like is supposed to be a spiritual thing. Like yeah, it's just, I know. you just do it because everybody else does it. It's an and exercise. It's supposed to make you skinny and who knows really. Right. Right. I mean, I think it's just, again, discernment, learn about it. If you walk in and it's just like, okay, here's this pose and you have to, you know, mm-hmm. breathe in, breathe. but then if, you know, if you walk into a place and they go, okay, let's focus on the, the God of whatever. And you know, you're in this weird <laughs> pose and they're making you breathe in and, you know, focus on this deity, that kind of thing. Then, then you should be like, Hey, uh, right. Yeah. No, go. Right. Well, here's, here's a question for you coming out of the new age. Did meditation role or play a role in your life or, you know, was that even a thing you were worried about or did, did mm-hmm. you utilize that tool to center yourself? Oh, absolutely. I certainly tried. (laughs) I certainly tried. And I was I was really good at preaching it, you know, telling everybody that they should definitely meditate and they should definitely open up their chakras and all of that. But I was never really good at meditation, not for lack of trying, Uh because I just had this. It was impossible for me to empty my mind the way it is required to do. Um, I was always, you know, I was the type of person where it'd be you know, okay, my mind is empty. And then I'd be thinking like, is it empty? Am I, am I, oh wait, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it being empty. So it's not really empty. You know, (laughs) I'm kind of a spaz. And so meditation is really difficult for me, but I definitely 
uh, told people that they should meditate, and I definitely preach the virtue of it. Um, and I certainly tried. I mean, I tried all kinds of things. I tried astral projection. In fact, there was one night uh-huh. where I think I came, you know, pretty close to it actually happening. I had a really scary, scary experience, and after that, I never tried it again. I mean, tell us about that. Is that yeah, something you can talk about? Yeah, it it was really weird, and um, I think I had kind of blocked it out for a while. I only recently just started remembering it, but it was uh, I was trying, I was literally trying to astral project, and I was using all the different terminology of you know, let your the 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 silver strand carry you out right. into the yeah. astral plane, and 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 um, I I kind of fell asleep, but not really, and I was feeling like all of a sudden I had this horrible feeling like I, of of pressure, and in my vision. You know, the only thing I can liken it to is like a scene in Star Wars where they're going into hyperspace and the stars just kind of are whizzing past them and they look like straight lines going. That's what was in my vision. Like I was flying at super speed and and I felt all this pressure on my face and my uh, teeth were grinding and I was hearing this loud humming in my ears that was getting louder and louder and louder. And I truly felt like I was starting to pull away from myself and I was disconnecting and it was this sense of I mean I've never been to outer space believe it or not but it sure felt like I was (laughs) like in in a weird sort of you know like there was g-forces pressing against me or something you know and um there was a moment where I was so terrified. It just hit me like, this is not good. I don't want to do this. And so I was trying to pull myself back. And all I can, finally, I just sort of snapped awake. And I still had like my jaw was just aching and my ears were ringing. Something physically happened to me in that moment because I had all of these I, I was my body was sore and my face hurt and my vision was blurry and this type of thing wow. and it was so terrifying. I even though I was still super new agey weird, I still <laughs> never attempted that again because it was absolutely terrifying. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Maybe it was all a dream, but it was scary. Yeah, I've had my, uh, you know, attempts to astral travel in the past and very unsuccessfully, you know, I I tried to read books on it and stuff. And Mm -hmm. there was one book where, you know, this guy goes through all the techniques of, you know, imagine a rope and you're pulling yourself out and da, 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 da. And he was like, I find that, you know, a little sip of beer before going to bed helps. And I'm like, okay, well then, but you know, that didn't help me because I'm Asian. You know what beer does to me? I knock out. I just pass out. A little bit of alcohol, and I'm just like, you know, comatose, so it didn't work for me. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. Do you think people that actually do are able to, or, you know, practice astral projection, do you think they push themselves through that sort of pressure point or, or even that feeling of, oh, this doesn't feel right? I think so. I think so, because some people are so incredibly indoctrinated that they feel like, you know, they have got to get past that. You know, they... they that physical sensation into the completely astral realm is the way they would recognize it. So, you know, there are plenty of people who would maybe feel what I felt, but just see it as, you know, this is a natural thing that I just have to let myself go through to get to quote the other side. Mm. And for me, that was not 
cool. I didn't like it. It terrified me. Um, I, I mean, just even thinking about, I'm, I'm weirded out thinking about it because it, it, it's just not something to mess with. It was terrifying. Right. Now, along the same lines, what do you, uh, in, this is sort of a different topic, but right. it kind of connects. What do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on the pineal gland? I know in the New Age circles, it's a big topic, and um, actually, it was brought up in our forum uh, because you know some of the stuff that that people have said is that you know the government is out to calcify our pineal gland to uh, you know stop us from fully realizing our connection to the spiritual realm and all this kind of stuff. You know, that's why they put the the different chemicals in the foods and everything. It's just to calcify our pineal gland. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And have you changed positions on it since being saved or anything, any new opinions? Well, it's not something I focused on a whole lot, but I do know that a lot of the um, psychedelic drug use is meant to activate the pineal gland. And, you know, I was really interested in uh, things like DMT and ayahuasca and all of that, you know, uh, trying to have that experience, which is often, you know, brought up that that is an activation of the pineal gland and we can all through the activation of that have shared sort of spiritual experiences right um and I, oh man i was all in if i could have gotten my hands on it i i absolutely would <laughs> would have tried it you know i am not ashamed to say that i was out there i was just up for anything so certainly i considered it to be just another way to tap into our uh, spiritual selves. And I just think now it's just not even something to mess with. I mean, uh, not even something as Christians to think about. You know, I had a conversation with someone not too long ago who said that they would be interested in trying one of these drugs like DMT, which in, uh, you know, uh, New Age circles is referred to as the spirit molecule. Right. right. And, you know, the whole Graham Hancock thing and and that they would be, even though they were a Christian, they'd be interested in trying it so that they could try to do some sort of spiritual warfare if they encountered any. I'm like, why? Why would you go there? Like, you shouldn't invite that kind of thing in. We should always be prepared uh, spiritually to engage in warfare. If it, but why do you seek it out? Right. You know, and, and that's the difference. Right. So... You know, I, I definitely was interested in all of that sort of spiritual awakening and of different parts of my physiology and that kind of thing. But now, to be honest, I don't think much about it. Yeah, that's uh, Rick's, Dr. Rick Strassman was um, one of the guys who conducted research. And uh, I believe he has a book out called DMT, The Spirit Molecule. Yeah. That discusses. Yeah, it's funny uh, you mentioned that. Because I was actually just on Netflix, and that was recommended to me. And uh, well, that uh, a a documentary called DMT: The Spirit Molecule, mm-hmm. and and I just started watching it. And I mean, it's it. I think it would be a lot more interesting to watch if I was actually on DMT, because they have <laughs> a lot, a lot of really really cool graphics that I <laughs> just like stare at for days. Um, but I mean, it, like Joe Rogan was in it and stuff, mm-hmm. and I made it about I made it about a thirty minutes in or so, and and uh, I mean, it was just all the stuff you would hear. Yeah, they have this a similar. Um, I think it's like Vice Channel or something. They've done documentaries on drugs, and I've seen a couple documentaries actually on ayahuasca. 
mm-hmm. and it's it's fascinating because these people the, these people are just dying to connect to something right they're right. they're spiritually you know deprived almost and they're they're willing to do anything and they go down to you know they go down to South America and they get with these shaman types and um you know they're vomiting and you know the whole experience of vomiting is supposed to be cleansing your 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 yep. you know all your fears and inner you know guck or whatever and i mean <laughs> it just doesn't seem right you know and they mm-hmm. all come out and they put a positive spin on it obviously you know the doc- documentary has its own sort of uh world view that they're trying to promote and saying oh you know i'm a better person because of it and and whatnot and and this and that but uh, you know for me I, i've this is a topic that i wish more christians actually talked about because you know, I've, I've run into parents actually who, who have children who are like in high school and stuff and they're really into drugs and doing all kinds of drugs. And it's hard for the parents to like have any sort of legit, not legitimate, but more a concrete sort of answer to some of these things and how, why they're dangerous spiritually. And, and for me, you know, when I found out about some of the stuff, it almost clicked in my mind, like maybe, you know, we are, actually bound you know when when we were kicked out of the garden we were sort of kicked out of having access openly to the spiritual realm if you will Mm -hmm. and these fallen angels were sort of teaching mankind like hey you know get this substance here and this substance here and and ingest that and we can communicate with you on a you know at the spiritual plane or whatever that sort of thing breaching that that barrier you know that the cherubim uh stood with the i mean those are just theories but I don't know. There's something there where I feel like even the parents dealing with their children, you know, uh, doing drugs can bring in some of these, these more fringy topics to sort of address it. Like, Hey, the Bible actually does, uh, the Christian worldview does address some of these issues, but. Well, uh, sure. I mean, you're, you're warned against pharmacia and some people take that to such a extent where they say, you know, no drug, no, you know, medicine or anything right, like that. But yeah. I, I think it's very specifically about these drugs that put you in this altered state because there definitely is. And it's even in Christian circles, it's not a super popular thing to say, but I really do believe there is a spiritual and supernatural component to a lot of these drugs. It's not just an, you know, activating a part of your brain that makes you see, you know, things that are aren't really there. I think th- there is evidence to suggest there is something spiritual happening because a lot of people, particularly when you hear about these ones who take the ayahuasca, they're having shared experiences. Yes. They are seeing the same thing at the same time, which in the purely physical should not be possible, but right. it's happening. They're seeing the same, they report, I mean, they talk about seeing these gnome creatures operating machinery and all of this. I mean, it's the same, they're seeing the same thing. So there's obviously a supernatural component to it. And Graham Hancock wrote a book called Entangled, which I used to think was just fantastic, but it's all about DMT and it's all about these shared experiences that people would have. And and he based much of what he wrote, it's a fiction, it's, it, I mean, it's a novel, but he based much of what he had written on his own uh, experiences with DMT and his own research on DMT. And it's really freaky to think about the fact that these people are having these profound spiritual supernatural experiences, but it's never 
I mean, it's obviously not ever glorifying God. It's always about showing you that the divinity is within you and all you have to do is tap into your own self. And it goes back to the oldest lie in the Bible, which is that you shall be as gods. That's what it teaches you. So that's why it's dangerous. And I think that's why at least a cursory knowledge of it is important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Boom. Basil said boom. What's, What's the boom about? Oh, I just said boom. Is that, are you like saying, um, just saying it, just saying it. Um, no, I was just, I was just booming to, to Natalina. Like a high and five, her, like a fist pump. And I heard, yeah, I heard dropping the knowledge. At least it's not a moon fist. <laughs> At least you're lucky. <laughs> you know, what's funny. It, it, what's funny is we, when we were on your show, we mentioned that we were working on the moon episode yep. and we were totally like, wanting to do it much sooner but i don't know like as soon as we sat down to do it after that for some reason we just couldn't do it yeah we it did was the tom horn one <laughs> and so but but in my thinking in my head i'm like oh crap but we already told natalina we were gonna do it what do we <laughs> we just lied to her face and all of her <laughs> listeners you might have thought uh, that i i i was already i knew we were gonna get it done <laughs> I, it, it it was true though. We did sit down. We tried to do it. I actually think we even did like close to over maybe about a half hour of the show. The, the first time we tried it, it right. was just, it just was terrible. It was even worse. <laughs> it was even like worse that. than the one That's we actually posted. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, the, the, I, I just have to say that like as crazy as the moon conspiracies sound, you know, like if you, no matter who you are, if you tell someone, I kind of think we didn't land on the moon. I mean, that's like, okay. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to be super honest with you. When I first heard about it, I like spent hours on the internet just going through all of the different theories and going, oh my gosh, we totally didn't go to the moon. <laughs> you know, like I was, I was riveted. I know. There's, there's just so much involved. And there's like, but it gets complicated. It's like a quagmire because you'll be like, you'll be like, oh, they found orange soil on the moon. That must mean that like there's more to it than we thought. And there could be aliens and just like stuff on the moon. But wait a second. I just got finished like figuring out that we didn't go there. And now what's the orange? Why would they even add the orange soil if we didn't go? But maybe we did and they don't want us to think that they went with the orange soil. What the heck? <laughs> because you can in your conspiratorial mind you've already convinced yourself that orange soil is incredibly significant you don't right. know why like that's what you get fixated on you like get fixated on that and then start basing like okay well maybe and then you just start making up your own stuff and then you just get you're done you're then Do you, you just to, go to bed i agree do you want to hear my actual opinion on the moon since we're on the topic sure yeah yes lay it on us <laughs> bum 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 <laughs> I think we, we totally went to the moon, uh-huh. uh, but I think that we faked a lot of the footage because of yeah. whatever reason, like, you know, the none of it turned out or the, you know, the, the, the footage was all really grainy or we were trying to, maybe we were trying to hide something. I think we went to the moon, but I think the reason that the conspiracy endures is because so much of the footage is so obviously faked. That's right. I think I, I'm kind of along the same lines, for sure. Um, I'm going to stick to I, my jump room theory. 
that was plausible. Okay. You can go ahead. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, once it's known that Obama can teleport to Mars on a daily basis, <laughs> like it's, it's just an easy, small mental leap from that to the moon. Teleport. The moon's closer. That's right. Right. Which, I mean, in the theory of the jump room, what doesn't really matter because you can just go anywhere and it's the same distance. That's but, true. I mean, whatever, man. <laughs> science is hard. It is. It's very science-y. <laughs> it's science. You wouldn't understand. You know, that is true. That's, that is a, a thing with science, which is interesting, the whole scientism. Some of it is hard, but there's a lot of it that is pretty simple. And I actually right. credit a lot of those sci- public scientists who try to make things simple. But it's funny when you speak to sort of a, an atheistic, scientistic person, they always bring out that, well, you just don't understand the science. You know, oh, it's know. like this arrogant thing about it. And it's like, oh, I don't think it's, I mean, yeah, it's complex sometimes. But I mean, really, it's, science should really be basic way to be able to explain stuff, right? So if right. you have to sort of beat around the bush explaining something, then maybe you don't but get that's it. Such a, that's such a good thing to say, though. Like when you aren't able to explain something to somebody, you just say that and then you're fine. And you get paid to say it because you're a scientist. Right. So, I mean, what's what's the issue here? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking about right. scientists per se. I was talking about, you know. Armchair scientists. Armchair scientists, internet trolls who mm-hmm. try to. <laughs> Those internet trolls always ruining science. Um <laughs> No, I totally understand. Okay. All right. So here's a question for you, Natalina. Yeah. Um, is there anything that is just like burning inside of you that is just <laughs> sort of like your current sort of thing that you're that has been occupying your mind or your time? Mm. Well, you know, from the average mainstream Christian perspective, I talk about things on my website that are really out there, and they may feel like, who would even believe that? You know, I wrote an article recently about the channeler Bashar. I think, uh, Gons, you and I talked about that a little bit. And We will be, once again, allowing a being known as Willa Hillacrissing to address certain ideas, we will help facilitate the transmission of her consciousness from her reality through the channel to your reality. So we will, thus, in introducing once again her to you, allow her to communicate certain concepts that are necessary now for many of you to begin to absorb with respect to a deeper understanding of parallel reality how he believes that he that this guy believes that he ha- channels this alien whose name is Bashar who delivers all of these wonderful speeches about universal oneness and all of this stuff and it sounds so crazy but the reason I'm passionate about talking about it is because I know how many people just buy it and believe it and not only that but you know essentially what what I'm really passionate about is to just take these things that are kind of common in the in the new age world and point out how so many Christians Christians sort of in a 
in a weird way buy into it. And I'll give you one right. example. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Nisara, but um, it's it's a it's a really strange story that kind of lives on the internet. But the Nisara is a financial reform proposal that was brought about by this guy named Dr. Harvey Bernard. And it actually uh, is something that was somewhat appealing. I mean, it would probably appeal to sort of like the libertarian Tea Party Ron Paul people of today, even though it was, you know, from 1999 or something like that. But it talks about, you know, eliminate the Federal Reserve, eliminate the IRS, you know, introduce a new banking system and currency backed by gold, all of that. You know, it sounds really uh, appealing to people who have that mindset even today. Right. But, um, you know, it was usurped somehow. He put this whole financial perform- reform proposal on the internet so that anyone could see it and anyone could sort of sign a petition to present it to Congress. And it never made it into Congress. Everyone in Congress thought it was a horrible idea. But um, because it was online, the somehow the New Age people latched onto it. And I should I should mention that Nisara uh, stands for um, the National Economic Stabilization and Recovery Act. So anyway, the the New Age people it's it's an acronym. Acronym <laughs> um, acronym drops. <laughs> um, but the, there's this woman who called herself the Dove of Oneness, and she usurped this Nasara bill. She renamed it the National Economic Stabilization and Recovery Act, Reformation Act. And she claimed that Nasara was a bill that already passed Congress secretly and that Bill Clinton had signed it into law, but they just weren't ready to announce it yet. But when they do, everybody in America is going to get a giant check and all of their debt is going to be erased. And then the whole thing built to where like when Nasara gets announced, then the Galactic Federation of Light is going to come down and everyone's going to have universal peace and harmony. And all of these space brothers are going to announce their presence. I mean, it it became like this snowball of weirdness that happened online. But the strange thing was how many people were buying into it. It was a really big deal. There, it was so such a big deal that there were Nasara protests in front of like the um, the White House, where they like bought all of these big trucks that were saying "Announce Nasara now," and they were <laughs> driving it by the the White House and the Capitol building. And um, there were protests in front of the international court, like in Norway, and it was huge. It's this huge worldwide movement. And these sort of like Nasara cults started popping up everywhere. And there was even a documentary made like in 19 or 2005 called Waiting for Nasara. And it was all about these people who were just expecting these benevolent space, space brothers to come and announce that Nasara was a thing. The day of deliverance that's talked about by all the prophecies is upon us. We're finally going to see it. Everybody all over the galaxies are watching you now. The Bush gang beat you to the punch on 9-11-2001. Are you going to let them beat you again? People do not want war, okay? They're sick of it, and we're not going to have any war on this planet. 
I'm, I'm looking for possibly by Sunday we can have an armada of ships in the skies. You're talking about uh, people that have held power for centuries and centuries, and now all of a sudden they're going to be asked to give up that power. You think they're going to go down, uh, you know, without kicking and screaming? What, what did God say about fix centers? I would that ye be either hot or cold. If ye be lukewarm, I will speak you out, of my, out of my mouth. On one hand, um, I am an optimist, and I feel that it's going to be possible that it is going to come forth, that it is going to work, and that we will become sovereign. But if it should not happen, then the earth will be destroyed. Soon we shall all be together. And the great celebration will finally begin. The legit opposing is coming down. The speculation is really the crisis. Well, this, is, this isn't speculation. No. This is going to happen. So, okay, so it's crazy, but <laughs> the, as I said, so many people believe it. And it started seeping its way into Christian, uh, sort of fringe Christian thought. People didn't bother doing the research behind it, and all they heard was there was this Nasara thing that was a secret thing that just hadn't been announced yet. So, this is something that I paid attention a lot to before I was even saved, it was just something I found interesting. But even then, I thought it was like loony. But not too long ago, I was on Facebook and I started seeing links being shared by a blog called Nasara. I want to say like nasaranews.blogspot.com by Christians sharing the links from this site. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Like I know what this is. This is this is this is like ascended masters and dove of oneness. <laughs> what <laughs> Christian? What are you doing? <laughs> you know. And so I started kind of doing my passive aggressive thing where I would post statuses about how Nasara is not a real thing. You should not be paying attention to this. And nobody was catching on. So I wrote this big article about Nasara. Telling, I mean, it got so crazy that part of the Nasara lore is that um, the Bill Clinton was killed, and it was actually his clone who was the president, and just it's <laughs> really Whoa. weird stuff that you have to read the article because I lay it all out for you. But it, cr people now are are latching back onto this Nasara thing. It was like a thing that was you were the craziest of the crazy crazies if you believed in Nasara. But for some reason, people are it's like resurfacing, and so that's kind of where I like to go into these weird things that people don't know a lot about, but they will promote because they don't understand the background of it, and. Wow. So I wrote this big article about Nasara, and you would not believe the 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 hate mail I got for knocking on Nasara. <laughs> I mean, I I got comments from people saying, you know, um, uh, 
there's one where someone said, you know, not of what you speak. Uh, the, the, <laughs> my, my spirit guide told me that you are a sower of deception and <laughs> you are a con artist. And I'll, there's one who says, I'll keep you in my daily meditations because you know not of what you speak. There's clear deception afoot and you are playing directly into it. I do not know. <laughs> he says, I do not know who you work for, but I will find out. <laughs> wow. But That's on the funny. I know. But on the flip side of it, I had so many Christians contact me and say, thank you so much for writing about this. I was just starting to hear about Nasara. It sounded really good. I had no idea that there was all of this craziness behind it. You know, thank you for filling me in because now I feel kind of stupid, <laughs> but I will right. not be promoting this anymore. So that's yeah. an example of the kind of thing that that I do try to shed some light on because, you know, it. In the age of the internet, we go on Facebook and we somebody shares a link that, you know, so many people don't read beyond the headline. They're like, oh, that sounds like a pretty doggone good headline. I would like financial reform. And they start sharing it without even realizing right. what the source is. So those are the kinds of things that I'm feeling kind of passionate about right now to talk about exposing these weird, nefarious, new age things that are weaseling their way into, you know, even honest christian people who don't know the backstory right well that's great i had never heard about that but uh i'm glad somebody's out there keeping an eye on it for me <laughs> that's interesting I mean, it's weird and i have you know so many people said they never heard about it but it really is something that if you're not careful the internet has this amazing way of regurgitating old stuff you know the the absence makes the heart grow fonder and and you forget that there's all this craziness attached to it at one time and you start there's sort of the allure of the being in the know about these mysterious things and you just got to be careful right right yeah, exactly i agree Wonderful. Um, I got a, I got a question for you. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it looks like uh, David Wilcock, who's a pretty big new age voice, um, mm -hmm. just announced that, you know, he's, he's going to get to go on that space trip, the Richard Branson space thing. I oh. guess it's happening in December. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think is going to happen in the next year or so, you know, I'm not asking you to, to predict anything in particular, but just an opinion based on, you know, some of the stuff you look at in, in sort of the new age world. Cause obviously, you know, there was a little bit of a fallout after 2012, you know, after nothing happened, a lot of apologists mm -hmm. came out like, Oh, we just weren't ready. Or, you know, the, the energies just weren't lined up properly or, you know, you had all sorts of people saying stuff. What, what do you think is going to be the big thing? You know, you mentioned Nasara just now. Do you think it's something like that? Do you think it's, you know, th these, uh, these new age guys are going to space for that little space trip mm -hmm. thing that's going to happen. So people are going to be focused on outer space and, and I'm sure that's going to, you know, uh, the, the whole UFO community is really steeped in new age thinking as well. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you, what do you think is going to be, what do you think is going to happen you know, the next trend, trendy thing for new agers to latch on to. Well, I know, know, I know it's kind of a general question. Basil's no. laughing at me. <laughs> I, the thing is, it's a, it's a good question to ask because 
I really have a strong feeling, you know, so many people in the prophetic realm of Christianity think that what we should be keeping our eye on is, you know, war, government, um, what's going on in the Middle East. And of course, that's all worthwhile. That's all worth our attention. But I really think that what is going to be a sign that we are uh, heading towards that great deception, so to speak, is the acceptance of New Age philosophy. And I've said it many times, but I, I think that it's the whole concept of inner divinity and, and uh, you know, universal oneness and this kind of matrix, you know, like, like the David Icke kind of philosophy, I think that is becoming so much more prevalent than even we realize as Christians because so many don't pay attention to that and it seems crazy and weird, but it's becoming so incredibly prevalent and what it all comes down to is two things. One, if we all believe that we're connected in this universal web of of oneness and we all can tap into this matrix of consciousness, it does away with all of the sort of um, religious borders and barriers and that what better way to make us receptive to a false prophet and we can see this even in some of the things that this new pope is talking about how you know just be good that's all that really matters you know to get to heaven and that type of thing and the second part of it is about being taught that the divinity lies within yourself because it is the oldest lie and I believe it will be the last lie that ye shall be as gods. And believe me when I tell you that far more people believe this than we realize. You know, we kind of sit in our little Christian bubbles and we think that um, there's two camps. There's Christians and then there's everyone else. And we don't really think about what what this prevailing thought process is, but it is becoming so prevalent, even just amongst, there's like this renaissance of new age thought. And I feel like it's really preparing us for whether it's the deception of like an alien invasion, quote unquote, or, you know, um, the coming onto the scene of a false prophet or a false savior. How, how much more perfect for a one world religion is it, would it be to set the stage by having everyone believe that we are already all connected? And of course, it also shows just how closed minded those Christians are. You know, because they they think they're right and they think that they have the one true God when everybody knows that we're all gods ourselves. And and to me, that is the direction that we are going. And I think we're going to be seeing that increasing more and more and more. And the concept of the crazy UFO cult isn't as crazy as we think it is. There are a lot of people and there are becoming more and more people who are believing in that. And I think it's somewhat related to sort of this um, uh, burgeoning interest in the paranormal and in um, uh, spiritualism and that type of thing. It's all kind of preparing us to have this um, alternative spirituality that would speak to how we are we are divine, and that's what I used to believe. And so I can see it 
happening all around me, even in just the most month, you know, even when you're just on Facebook, I don't know how many non-believers you have as friends, but I see people sharing these Facebook memes that, that quote the Dalai Lama, you know, and they think it's so innocuous, yeah. but mm-hmm. it truly continues to push into the mainstream thought that this thought of oneness and it sounds even right now as i'm talking about it it sounds so bad to say that that's a bad thing you know oneness sounds so good right. you know and but it is it's a very sinister thing because it eliminates any need for god it, i mean if you yourself are a god what ha- what use have you for for a creator we're taught that we create it we create our own reality we create everything because we are divine. And I think we're going to see that becoming so much more of a thing, uh, even in the coming year or how it's just going to increase. And it's setting a stage and it's setting a mindset and it's setting a precedent so that the the larger portion of the populace is going to be very, very, I'm sad to say, very easily deceived. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd I feel like a lot of what you said there, a lot of the new age philosophies, I feel like it's going to start getting backed by, I'm, I'm going to say science. I'm not going to say hard science. I'm going to say the, the sort of speculative sciences. That's, there's a lot of people, there's, you know, um, we, I, I've going to mention this in Age of Deceit too. A lot of it has to do with it, but Charles Tart uh, had a book out in 2009 called The End of Materialism. Uh, you mentioned the Dalai Lama. He's got a book out talking about, you know, the single oneness, the spiritual and the scientific and all this. And there are others. A lot of people who are in the scientific world are beginning to say that, you know, materialism is dead. You know, we're not going right. to be able to find any answers through materialism. Therefore, it's going to have and it's not going back to this Christian theistic worldview. It's actually going towards a pantheistic uh, universal oneness kind of philosophy. So, I mean, if science backs it up, then of course it's true, right? Because obviously science is never wrong. Yeah, and you have to be careful, too, because there are so many uh, sciences that have true legitimacy, and they can actually, in in many ways, legitimize the the concept of a creator. If you take, for example, like the quantum sciences, right. and you know, right. like Sharon Sharon Gilbert talks about the string theory and all of this. I mean, there is definitely some good that can come out of learning all of these things. However, it is also being used for very nefarious reasons. If you think about, I don't know if you've heard of that documentary called "What the Bleep Do We Know?" Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and the whole thing is about how quantum science proves that we are all connected universally and how we can manifest our own reality and we are the creators and this type of thing. I mean, it it, it, it there is a, it's being used probably much more so by the other side than than it's being explored by the Christian worldview. Right. And I, I feel like that's why I think people the shows like ours and your website and blog and stuff like that, it's important for us to tackle those things and parse it out because again there is an an explanation a theistic christian worldview that answers that may even fit better for a lot of these things you know um right but but again you know if if the uh if the messenger is of a new age bent then anything that is quote-unquote scientific is going to be used to project that worldview so it is it's going to start getting it already is but i feel like it's going to get even more messy 
And uh, if we're not out there helping people get through some of that, you know, people will fall into the deception fairly easily, as I almost did. You know, I listened to David Wilcock when I first was saved the first couple of years. And I was thinking, man, this guy, this guy's got science to back up his theories. And, you know, I, I, when I yep. step back and look at it, it was uh, you, you, the science is not necessarily all that clear from what the stuff he presented. But uh, even still, it, it sounds really persuasive. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it is really persuasive when you when when you start talking about it. So I think you're doing a good work there, Natalina. Obviously, your website, ExtraordinaryIntelligence.com. How often do you post a, a blog there? Well, I have not been as active as I should, but I do try to do a few new posts a week, and uh, I've been trying to get the podcast out uh, <laughs> weekly, and thus far, that has not happened. I think you guys understand where I'm coming from with that. <laughs> Harder than it seems, huh? It's a little it really- bit tougher than you think it is. It really, it really, you know, I thought, oh, no problem. I've got nothing but time. I'll get a podcast a week out. No problem. And it it is not yet happened that way. So. All right. Well, thank you. I I feel better now that you, you feel our pain. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a lot of fun because sometimes no matter, you know, I have a tendency to write these really long articles and some people would just rather hear, hear people talk about it and parse it out. So it has been a great sort of addition to the site. So um, it's been fun. Well, good, good. So there you have it, folks. Make sure to go to extraordinaryintelligence.com. You can listen to Natalina and you can read her words and all sorts of stuff there. Make sure to go check it out. And uh, can they like subscribe to your podcast? Are you all set up like on iTunes and stuff? Yep, and I've got all the links in the in the right hand sidebar. They can subscribe through iTunes. I'm in the Windows Store. You can subscribe just directly to the podcast um, feed or subscribe to. I think the best thing to do is subscribe to the feed of the site, which is at the very top of the page, because then you get updates on everything I do. And it, I mean, I think that's the best. That is the best, in my opinion, <laughs> as well. So there you have it, everybody. Go and do that one more time. That's Natalina from... <clears throat> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> one more time. That's Natalina from ExtraordinaryIntelligence.com. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Woo! <laughs> and so there you have it, everybody. That was our interview with Natalina. Make sure to go there and check it out. Say hi to her. She's our good friend here at Canary Cry Radio. Now, some of you may be aware that we, uh, almost every show, ask you guys to go onto iTunes or Stitcher or whatever and leave us a review slash a rating of whatever sort that they ask for. And you guys have responded, most of you, which is wonderful. But for those of you who have not yet taken the time out of your day to go to iTunes or Stitcher or Uplay or whatever you use and giving us, you know, some stars and a thumbs up or leaving a review of the podcast, I would like to graciously request that you just take a couple minutes out and go do that because it helps us out a lot and it helps out other people who are taking a look at the podcast trying to decide if it's worth their precious time. So if you haven't done that yet, I would consider it a personal favor 
if you go to your iTunes store and leave us a review and a rating or, you know, however you listen to us. Just, you know, just just give us a little a little bit of sugar. A little bit of sugar. A little bit of sugar. All right. Time for an outro thingy. Yep. Okay. Here we go, everybody. Well, the views and opinions expressed by the authors and guests on the program are not necessarily those held by the hosts of Canary Cry Radio or its community. Make sure to visit CanaryCryRadio.com for show notes, episode archives, forums, and more. You can contact us by clicking on the contact tab or emailing us directly at CanaryCryRadio at gmail.com. Yeah, and please leave us a voice message by clicking the tab on the right side of CanaryCryRadio.com and make sure to let us know if it's okay to play your message on the air. Make sure to rate us and write a review on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on Stitcher. If this podcast touched your life, your worldview, or your beating little heart in any way, please consider supporting the show financially. That's my line. I know. But How did you... we get mixed up? I don't okay. know. You can do so by visiting CanaryCryRadio.com and clicking on the support tab. There you can sign up for a small monthly donation, or if commitment is not your thing, you can leave a one-time donation of any amount. Canary Cry Radio is and always will be free, so support is what keeps us on the air. Make sure to catch the next episode <laughs> of Canary Cry Radio... This feels weird. And until then, think outside the cage. (laughs) It feels so weird. That was kind of weird.